0: This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Khan Nam. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today. Um, there's, as usual, a lot to cover. We're not going to be covering the royal wedding today, just to let our viewers and listeners know. But there was a big... Wedding in Jordan that brings together the Jordanian and the Saudi royal families together. We may get to that at another show, but not today. Today, we're going to be covering uh, kind of this international uproar around uh, Roger Waters' concerts in in Berlin and in Germany. There's been a concerted effort to smear him. As many people know, Roger Waters has been an active social justice kind of leader and campaigner especially for self-determination for Palestinians. He's given a series of concerts in Germany that have drawn the ire of the pro-Israel groups in, in Europe and beyond. We're also going to talk a little bit about a new report that was released, you know, just extraordinary story about how uh, Israel was recruiting Nazi criminals to serve as Mossad agents. It's It's an incredible story, Jamal. We'll be covering that in the show. But before we get there, we're going to watch a video that you did interviewing Israeli journalist Oren Ziv discussing his recent article in the 972 magazine, After Backlash conference drops Israeli archaeologists for settlement university ties. It's an incredible interview, Jamal. It's kind of keeps with the theme of the kind of oppressive nature of the apartheid state, not only against Palestinians, but basically against anybody that goes against their dominant oppressive regime. So we got a lot to cover today.
1: Well, yeah, we got a lot to cover. And just a quick intro to Oren's uh, interview. I mean, not only that... uh, These archaeologists, who are the subject of the interview, violate international law by working in uh, occupied territories and uh, digging, basically, in uh, the West Bank and East Jerusalem. But also, uh, weaponizing Israel is weaponizing archaeology to fit into the biblical narrative. And many of its uh, stories uh, did not materialize. Anyway, let's watch Oren Ziv. The International Congress on the Archaeology of the Ancient Near East, ICANN, a very prestigious forum, held its 13th biannual gathering this May in Copenhagen. Scholars come to present from respected universities worldwide. However, the academic affiliation of two presenters, Professor David Ben Shlomo and doctoral student Yair el Makias was notably absent. Both represent the Department of Land of Israel Studies and Archaeology at Ariel University. Ariel University is an Israeli settlement university built on occupied Palestinian land, which is where excavations are conducted as well. When other archaeologists noticed this, They contacted ICANN asking it to cancel both lectures. They cited the 2013 decision of the World Archaeological Congress stating that it is unethical for professional archaeologists and academic institutions to conduct professional archaeological work and excavations in occupied areas possessed by force. Joining us on Arab Talk this week is Oren Zev. In his May 28 article in the publication Plus 972 entitled After Backlash, Conference Drops Israeli Archaeologists for Settlement University Ties, he describes Israel's increasing violation of international law in supporting excavations on the Palestinian land it occupies. Mr. Zev is an Israeli news and photojournalist for Local Call as well as the publication Plus 972 Is also a founding member of Active Stills Photography Collective. Welcome to Arab Talk, Oren.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Tell us uh, about the ICANN conference and the result of the complaint by the archaeologist about presenters uh, from the settlement
2: institution, Ariel University. Thank you. So we got some information regarding this story because it's really unique that such an important conference like this one or similar, invite officially members of Ariel University, it's the only Israeli university in the West Bank, but in general, Israeli researchers that do excavations or, or archaeological work in the West Bank. Uh, because these kinds of uh, conference should work according to the international law, and, and of course, according to the international law, and also uh, the guidelines of some archaeologists, it's forbidden to, to do this kind of work in occupied land. And... It's important to note uh, that the conference itself doesn't boycott uh, Israel completely, it means, or at all, it means the members of different universities from Haifa, Be'er Sheva, Jerusalem, and Tel Aviv arrive to the conference, and even members of the Israeli Antique Authority come and present their findings every two years when, when it takes place. And also, members, as far as I understand, members of Ariel University can come as guests, as the listeners. Nobody check who's the, where do you live when you register the conference. But from what, from the sources we got and the people we talk, it's very unique. They invite people of Ariel University to speak. Well, Ariel University is uh, widely boycotted around the world, uh, even in places that don't boycott entirely. Israel or are not part of the, the BDS movement. And I think what shows the fact that even the organizers understood this is a problematic issue is that the affiliation of the two speakers from Ariel University uh, were not mentioned in the bylines, in the abstracts. And it's I, I talk to to different experts, and they say it's very rare because even if you're not from your university, usually your work will be affiliated with some organization or university or it's not kind of work you usually do by yourself as a freelance it has to be coordinated with the state and with other authorities and i think the fact that ariel university was not mentioned on the program it's because I understood this will cause some backlash and of course it did and uh, dr ben shlomo his conference uh, his talk was uh, cancelled a few days before and uh, dr ant el Makayas, uh, his talk was not cancelled one explanation can be and it's only an assumption that Dr. Ben Shlomo actually does excavations on the ground, taking out things from occupied territories from the Iron Age uh, near Jericho in the South and Jordan Valley in the, the occupied West Bank, while Dr. and el Makais researchers, uh, water systems and other things that I don't think he actually does digging on the ground. That could be one explanation, although we didn't get a confirmation that I'd, from
1: the I'd, I'd, I'd like to note that uh, Professor Shlomo stated that his lecture was removed not because of ethical or legal violations. Yeah. This is uh, uh, yeah. I'm he quoting here. Pressure yeah. in Europe. Yeah, but he also says this is because one of the conference organizers is based at the Archaeology Institute in Damascus. Yeah. I mean, does this make any
2: sense to you? I don't think so. I think uh, in the beginning. Uh, the archaeologists that were protesting uh, against this thing focused in Dr. Ben Flomo because he's more famous and his and his work is more famous. And I think only later they discovered that a second person. So I think uh, the protest uh, movement was focusing on him in the beginning, and and this is his reason. His uh, lecture is canceled. It's important to know that at the conference they're telling us that they don't invite people. People submit their work and then they're chosen and only after it's kind of a work process, so only after the conference they decide what will be included and what won't be included. I think it's a interesting explanation, but to be honest, I don't think it's the full story because till now it never happened. Yale University exists for quite some years and it ne- they are never been invited uh, officially to these uh, kinds of conference. And this is why also the protest started because people were surprised. This is kind of a... Red line in a color archaeology to 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 invite uh, and not only from uh, Palestine, also from other areas where there occupation and there is the land dispute. Not that I like this term, but places uh, the it's unethical to dig in.
1: So let me make sense of this. Um, uh, the conference usually invites people. So they, uh, they not invite. Sorry, they have to submit a yeah. publication and they ha- it, and it gets reviewed. Yeah, and then. Because of this, they get in the invited to present it, and so so both uh, Professor Shlomo and 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 El were initially allowed to come to to present until complaints arrived about that presentation because of the work. And then the other thing is the uh, logic, you know, that uh, we talked about that Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Shlomo uh, worked in the in the West Bank, and and his digs were in the West Bank versus the
2: uh, doctoral student who did not. The doctoral student does research the West Bank, but from my understanding, he's not digging. He's researching, researching finding that already exists. He's not taking out things, although a short Google search on his name, on uh, El Makais, shows and presents that he was involved in a project where earth and dirt were taken from the West Bank, from an area, actually near Nablus, that is under Palestinian control, Area B, according to the uh, Oslo Accords, and taken illegally into a settlement, into a center that he mentioned, and there they they, they did some research on the land. So you're you're just uh, to clarify, yeah. you're referring. to... To the
1: an ancient amulet uh, whose origin is disputed, he discovered from a dig in the Mount of uh, Ebal site, which is near Nablus. Right? Is that that's that's the uh, the case that you're re- uh, referencing?
2: Yes, this happened last year, and basically Israeli and American uh, uh, archaeologists entered the site with any coordination with the Palestinian authority or any uh, Palestinians, and took quite. A big, uh, big, uh, a few uh, piles or containers of uh, of uh, dirt and and earth, and then did the research and the excavation in a nearby settlement. And El Makais was involved in this, according to different articles, and according to his uh, own Facebook. Page. So isn't it uh, ethically, uh, never mind legally, problematic to parse the
1: origin of an excavation to, uh, to allow al-Makayis to participate? Well,
2: definitely, definitely. Both of them are part of the Ariel University, as, and as, as you can see, they're both uh, involved in work in the West Bank that is against international law. Obviously, I think if we can look at the bigger picture, it's part of our ongoing attempt of Ariel University, but also other institutions in the state of Israel to do kind of a de facto annexation, to get accepted to international uh, conferences or bodies or whatever, and slowly, slowly uh, get recognition or uh, uh, kind of uh, de facto to get accepted. And I think it's kind of strange also, talking to different academics and experts, it's kind of strange that a researcher will give up his affiliation because both the researcher and the institution need the name to get right. donations or cooperation or anything. The credit is very important when you go to a conference for the institution. In the end of the year, I guess, you know, the, the people who do the funding or the advertising, they want to show in how many conferences they took part, especially in such an important conference. And in my opinion, and this is my interpretation, the fact they're giving up the affiliation from their side, not from the organizing side. Means that it's more important for them to put uh you know, to step in slowly, slowly, and maybe in two years or four years they can also have uh, proudly their name. El Makai's, by the way, told me when I texted him that there's no story because he said we were accepted and we are presenting with our name and this is a success. So from from their side, it's it's happening slowly and and they have the the patience for it. I think what is interesting is that. Till now, international bodies and international conference would reject completely this type of cooperation or acceptance. It doesn't matter if they're invited or they submitted the same thing In the end of the day. This omission
1: uh, of uh, professor, uh, the affiliation of Professor Shlomo and el makias uh, with Ariel University yes. on the conference's program caught the attention of uh, Dr. Boyd, an archaeologist and the co-director of the Center for Palestine Studies at Columbia University, uh, he wrote that he thinks that the omission of the affiliation with Ariel University by ICANN was deliberate. I mean, that's his opinion, that it was deliberate to to avoid outcry in the archaeological field. Uh, What's your opinion on
2: this? I tend to agree. I think if you go through the program, you... uh, which is hundreds of places. So you see Haifa University and Tel Aviv University and Jerusalem University and Be'er Sheva University and even researchers from the uh, Israeli Antique Authority uh, that don't do excavation in the West Bank, only inside Israel uh, 48. And I think it was on purpose because if you'd see Ariel University, it's something that, you know, it would pop up. It's something that uh, people in general, but for sure experts and researchers on the field, it's something that are not used to see. I think it's important to know that nowadays there is kind of a separation that the Israeli antique authorities in charge of what happens inside Israel 48 in uh, regarding archaeology and in the West Bank because it's not officially annexed by Israel, the civil administration that is under the Israeli military is responsible for the for archaeological uh, issues and for uh, all the sites. And now with the new extreme right government, which Osmayo did uh, by, by Minister Benigvir and his allies, they want to change it And part when we're talking about law and annexation, maybe not that slow. They want to, one of the demands of the settlers is to have the Israeli the Antico 40 in charge of the West Bank because they say the military doesn't charge, uh, deal with it well and so on. And they have, they want to have a complete control over this issue. And of course, through that, they can continue a de facto annexation, uh, like things that we saw in Aval e- Mountain could happen officially every day. I think for the Israeli institutions, and I'm talking for their point of view from the universities and the researchers, this separation that kind of is still happening nowadays. Although it's, uh, I don't really believe in it. I don't think this really this separation really exists on the on the ground. But this official uh, separation. It's very important for the Israeli institutions inside Israel because they can continue to go to this kind of conference. It's important to note, and this is not my personal opinion, I think it's, a, it's, it's it's what would happen if the Israeli Antique Authority would be responsible also for the West Bank. It will be kind of one body. Also, the whole authority and maybe also other institutions inside Israel will be boycotted or at least not invited because they will be involved in this uh, illegal excavations in the West Bank. There won't be this uh, separation.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it is well known that archaeology is highly politicized by Israel to shore up its legitimacy. And you, you mentioned this. Participating in these prestigious conferences only serves uh, to further validate its occupation of the land. In fact, they don't like to use the word occupation. It just basically validates the annexation uh, of the land. But would you think... Uh, you know, I mean, in academia, there there are limits, just like we you have uh, in in medicine, right? That now we're seeing a professor and a someone who wants to be a professor, a doctoral student, uh, risking their reputation to further Israeli policies.
2: Yes, definitely. I think already Ariel University is highly politicized because it's located in the West Bank because its on occupied land and because in wide in very wide the uh, circle it's, it's not accepted uh, internationally so I think for those researchers who who anyway do the work in the West Bank uh, and are and are living from what I understand in the West Bank they're part of the settlement movement I, fo- I don't think it risks their reputi- reputation they're trying to push their agenda and to get international recognition that in Israel in Israel they have no problem again universities. Uh, highly accepted Israel. It's funded by the government. They can participate inside Israel in every conference uh, they want also inside Israel, not only in the West Bank. I think it, sh- I think it does show an interesting element that despite uh, the fact that I'm talking not specifically about these two people, but in general, the settlement movement always uh, reject the international law and the international opinion and international pressure. It's still important for them to get some international recognition. So so it's kind of interesting to see that on one hand they reject uh, the pressure from outside uh, uh, even from allies of Israel like the, the US and other countries that are worried from what's happening in the West Bank under the extreme new right wing government on the other end they're still going to these international bodies and looking for some kind of recognition uh, professionally or politically and I think it's the same There are many instances
1: of excavations in Israel seeking verification for biblical history, right? We've seen many of those. It's been observed. The findings are often forced to fit a pre-written narrative. One example is the destruction of the last orchard in Silwan uh, on a Palestinian property to uncover uh, the mythical ancient Siloam pool in the city of David Um, up till now, I think nothing was found. Is there a pushback within the more rigorous archaeological field in Israel against this?
2: There are uh, there's an organization called Emekashaveh, mm-hmm. uh, the Equal Valley that is uh, active in Silwan, specifically in occupied Jerusalem but also in other areas, to promote kind of more ethical archaeology and what they say, and it's it's worth for the listeners and the viewers to check their website. They say it's okay, there are different narratives in archaeology, but it's not okay that Israel is using archaeology to raise other narratives, uh, Christian, uh, Muslim, or or for sure Palestinian narratives, in order to fit it to a specific political agenda. So they don't deny a Jewish history on the land, but they say that Israel does a use in its history to, 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 to grab more land, to... To, to build more settlements. Specifically we see it uh, around the the Jerusalem old city and the surrounding neighborhoods, as you said in, in Silwan and other places. Uh, so it's definitely worth uh, worth to check the website. Emek, has-
1: yeah, I, I think I, I have looked at it and you actually you caught uh, Alon Arad, head of Emek Shaveh, uh, which is again an Israeli NGO working to defend cultural heritage rights and to protect yeah. ancient sites as public assets. Yeah. Uh, he states, uh, if members of Israel's archaeological community want to be part of the international professional community, they need to operate according to the rules and ethics uh, of archaeology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are Israel's uh,
2: future plans for sovereignty over antiquities? I think other, uh, under the Benviren's motorist government, we will see new attempts for archaeology to, to take over the lands or side, and it doesn't matter if it's officially under the Israel Antikophorgy or for the civil administration that uh, is under the military, but the uh, Minister Smotrich, Finance Minister Smotrich is also a minister in the defense ministry and is directly responsible for the civil administration. So unfortunately, I think we'll see ongoing attempts and growing attempts to use archaeology and other methods just for annexation and grab land.
1: I mean, do you think this is part and parcel of what we're seeing today, an increased incursions into uh, Haram Sharif or Dome of the Rock and, and making claims that Solomon Temple is under it and all these things going on to a final takeover of the area?
2: I think it's a hard question. I think it's two different paths because the, the, the archaeological uh, the archaeological work Happens uh, underground under Sidwan and and other this area for sure. It's also meant to strengthen the the Jewish and identity and the the Jewish history. And I think the problem is that it comes on somebody else' account. I think uh, definitely for uh, for many of the extreme settlers that uh, that go into El regularly regular into other places they don't see any right for uh, Muslim or Palestinian history or archaeology. So for sure, uh, for them, uh, it's important uh, to erase it or to push it away.
1: What about the international community? For example, do you think that a big impetus in Israel's ongoing transgression of international law is the continual capitulation of international bodies to it? I mean, uh, do you see any... uh capitulation by the international community to kind of allow Israel to push its limits?
2: I think if we're talking generally, uh, I think many people here on the ground accepted the, a much more harsh response from the U.S., but specifically from European countries uh, to what's happening uh, now, because for years the uh, people here, but also from the Dutch community, have been warning uh, for what is happening. You have the most extreme right... Uh, right-wing government that has ever been. We've uh, convicted the terrorists as the minister of internal security and basically uh, uh, Israeli extreme settlers controlling the government and leading the policy. And We're still not seeing uh, a clear response from international bodies or from the international communities. We, de- we do see some pressure on specific areas like uh, Han el Ahmar a community near Jerusalem that uh, Israel uh, wants to to displace and and evict and it didn't happen because of international pressure. But in my opinion, we haven't seen the international community putting full pressure over Israel in in all the subjects and the and, and the matters. And I I think maybe it happens because people are so overwhelmed. The government is promoting so many things in so many different fronts at one time. So it's kind of hard to understand it. Although as we said before, it's it it, it, it has only one agenda to push uh, Palestinians out as much as, uh, as, as possible. I think this conference does show that with the small uh, protest and resistance we saw from archaeological community around the world, it was cancelled, although only one, but the main lecture was cancelled and there was some pushback. So it, I think it does prove that there's still uh, uh, some power for, for for international community to act and uh, to take action. So is the the new uh,
1: extreme government of Israel weaponizing archaeology to ethnically cleanse Palestinians of their land?
2: I think definitely, and unfortunately, I think it's something we, we, we would see an increase in with, with the attempts. If Either if the Israeli Antique Authority takes over uh, the archaeological work in the West Bank, or if the military, the civil administration is, responsible for that. I think we we will see an ongoing attempt to use archaeology and to use historical narratives to take over land.
1: Oren Ziv, thank you for coming uh, on Arab Talk.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's the voice and the face of Oren Ziv uh, regarding his recent article in 972 magazine discussing the backlash after a conference drops an Israeli archaeologist for his, uh, basically his academic work. It's an incredible story, Jamal, and you kind of led into the interview by talking about how the apartheid state leverages academics and academia and so-called research to fit the kind of biblical narrative of uh, of the apartheid state. You know, a lot of new wave historians and new wave archaeologists uh, have gone against that narrative, and basically the evidence that they're uncovering, as uh, Oren, you know, and you discussed, goes against that biblical narrative in very severe ways. and And what does the what does the apartheid state do when they well, find it's that not out? Well, it, it goes,
1: uh, you know, against it. This is we we used one example, but uh, the fact that they try to sneak in archaeologists from Ariel University. This is a settler university. This is a university right. built on Palestinian stolen na- land. And it is, uh, a, you know, uh, an understanding that you don't for, you know, uh, call, call it code of ethics uh, for archeologists and anthropologists not to go and dig into occupied territories or transfer antiquities for, from one place to to the other place. And yet Israel tries to sneak in these archaeologists uh, to, to make their presentation. Now, here's the interesting thing, because I know just that you've spoken at many conferences and universities. And when you speak, do you just show up as just, just Ghanem or you have an affiliation? You always, you are affiliated always. with UC San Francisco, right? UCSF. So so when you have uh, presenters, professors from various universities across the globe, you know, some coming from California, they're coming from the United States, different universities in the United States, from England, from France, and so forth, every single presenter has their name, Professor so-and-so or Dr. so-and-so, from Oxford University, so-and-so from Harvard University. Then you have two names, just like out of misplaced without an affiliation right this is kind of the how they got discovered you just have two names presenting happen to be israeli names no affiliation of whatsoever and then you find out they come from a settler university so that's yes. that's basically the crux of the story
0: it's a great story jamal and it's part of the ongoing attempt to subvert you know and to to undermine Academic research and the academy by by doing things like that it 's a typical kind of uh, uh, apartheid ploy Jamal to try to sneak in as you say these these views of these archaeologists and it 's not just a code of ethics it 's kind of it goes against the very foundation of the academy of science of research to do something like that and i 'll tell you because i 've been as you said you know i 've been doing conferences for Decades, Jamal, and I've never, ever, ever been to a conference where someone's affiliation was not attached to their name. It just goes without saying. So the obvious thing is that they were trying to hide that these two archaeo- so-called archaeologists were from a settler colonial, you know, university. Uh, I'm glad they got outed. That's great.
1: Yeah, they got they you know they they got outed, and and then you find out that uh, the the main professor. Basically, had uh, studies done in illegally, which should be done. It's illegally in, in, in the West Bank. Anyway, uh, moving on to one Roger of our Waters. main stories. Uh, <laughs> you know, for those who don't know who's Roger Waters, uh, just think about Pink Floyd. He's the founder of
0: uh, one of the one of the founders yeah. of the
1: Pink Floyd, and well, he's also the creative force behind the band's biggest uh, albums. Uh, and, right. Um, and and besides of the, you know, this in addition to this, I should say, he's a big supporter uh, for the independence of Palestine. A uh, huge supporter for the BDS or Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement has uh, spoken many many times on this issue outspoken and he has been a subject of uh, israeli attacks and and uh, attacks by apac and uh, attacks in the uk by the israel lobby in the uk and other places but i have not seen this much a uh, vicious and orchestrated attack as the one that we've been witnessing for the past month. I mean, he's been, yeah. you know, he has a thick skin, I would say, because you know, you know, many artists have, have been speaking on behalf of Palestinians, defending Palestinians, and some can easily get intimidated. You know, well, I, I shouldn't go uh, that's that off off topic, just like we've seen with Kennedy uh, praising Roger Waters, right, for right. his stance, and then and then basically uh, throwing him under the bus. After, well, that's exactly right. And after that's he said, exactly oh, right. I didn't know about his views uh, on Israel. Uh, that's, that's a whole different uh, topic. But he's one of those artists who has thick skin, and he's not scared, and he has sustained multiple attacks, and the campaign that we're seeing is a campaign trying to cancel him.
0: Well, that that's right, Jamal. And I think you know it kind of started with Roger Waters. And I think uh, maybe our listeners and viewers don't know this, but he was giving a concert in Berlin, and as part of his show, he he wore an old Ar- old German army uniform, you know, and uh, that set off, you know, from World War II, kind of a Nazi uniform, actually, and that just made people go crazy. Now he had the artistic freedom. Uh, given the show that he was doing in Berlin, talking about basically the breakdown of the Nazi experience and and kind of the emergence of freedom in in Berlin and the breakdown of the Berlin Wall and all that which you know his infamous songs from pink floyd are are connected to, so you know given the artistic freedom that he 's always enjoyed and and kind of played to he he gave this show. Uh the pro-Israel lobbies just went, I mean, they had seizures, Jamal. It was unbelievable how much they attacked him for this. And uh, they didn't cancel the concerts. The concerts continue. Well,
1: let, let me just say something, uh, Just This is not the first time that he has worn this uniform. And by the way, this is not a Nazi uniform. It looks like a Nazi uniform, but he's trying to portray a dictator right. like, uh, you know, Fascism, basically, yeah, fascist. any dictator, and he has done that in the past. This is his right. message against fascism and authoritarianism and, dicta- and, and, and dictatorship and right. dictatorship. So, so that I think this is not the issue. This is part of the issue. They try to to connect well, that, and and they're trying to
0: connect it exactly and say that exactly. he
1: he wore a Nazi uniform. The issue was, he also had in this recent concert that he did in in Frankfurt, which they tried to cancel, but unsuccessfully, they did not uh, cancel it. And uh, uh, he had uh, uh, behind him uh, portraits of victims of fascism, you know, victims from different countries. One of the victims was Anne Frank, uh, and that's basically sending a message to what happened in Germany. After all, right. he was, he was uh, performing in Germany. And the other picture, which I think basically uh, blew the lid of those, uh, <laughs> you know, anti-Palestine uh, group, was right. the picture of Shireen Abu Akleh.
0: That's right
1: was murdered by a fascist regime, which is the apartheid state of Israel. So he was trying to make this connection, you know, Anne Frank, Shireen Abu others, bunch of them, and and I think that was the trigger because he put the picture of Shireen Abu I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, here is an American journalist who was murdered by a fascist regime, and, and up till now, they haven't taken responsibility except saying, oh, yeah, I think one of our soldiers killed her. And, uh, and then, of course, others. And, and, and after that, immediately after that, I mean, they've been trying, I have to say, before every time he he tours, he, had his, he just finished basically his European tour going from Germany to, to Spain and so forth, and now back to, in, into the UK. He has, number one, just sold-out concerts. Every
0: concert, no, every concert sold out, Jamal. Every Every time
1: they try, every time they try to discourage people from going to his concerts, he has sold out concerts. They successfully, successfully tried to have Frankfurt, the city of Frankfurt, cancel his concert. And guess what? And that's why I said he doesn't put up, uh, he doesn't, you know, put up with their BS. He sued. They tried to cancel it. He sued uh, and, won. And, and, he and won and he won and so yeah. he
0: performed in Frankfurt again Full house and so Frankfurt. let me so this goes, I I think I have to say this again Jamal We have to thank the Zionists and the Israeli apologists because yet again, they never miss an opportunity to overplay their hand You know, unwittingly, they have just strengthened Roger Waters' commitment to justice and to pro-Palestinian freedom and self-determination. The man has never missed uh, uh, an opportunity to speak for freedom and justice, and not just for Palestinians, Jamal. He's an anti-fascist. He's 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 anti-war.
1: He's against the war. Okay, so here's another thing. He's against the war— in Ukraine, he does not That's want right. the United States and the UK sending weapons to prolong right. the war in the Ukraine. Right. Guess what? APEC and and their surrogates uh, wrote about him that he is a Putin apologist. <laughs> this is how they spin things, you know. They yeah, spin, yeah, yeah. they spin, but
0: but they but they blow it, Jamal. You know that because his concerts are not only sold out, but his international acclaim and respect, and people who just. You know, not only want to hear his music, but buy his music is just he's, you know, he's basically one of the t- people that's at the top of the charts throughout Europe, not so much in the United States, but definitely in, in Europe and other parts of the world. He's uh, internationally acclaimed. They, they blew it again, Jamal. That's basically what I'm saying. The Israeli apologists are, are actually bringing more attention to Roger Waters and his message.
1: Well, uh I guess at the end of the day they're unable to silence him he he incessantly and they want and he 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 you know he wrote uh, put out a, a statement and said I will not be canceled this is uh, basically his message nice. uh, to, to them and, and other things and in a in a sad way they have been trying to do the same thing to him, where they've won, in in my opinion, initially by uh, cancelling uh, the Labour leader, Corbyn, if you recall. Right,
0: right, right.
1: And and, and they think that he's someone like him. He, you know, he's he's a wonderful guy, Corbyn, a nice guy, gentle guy. And they thought that maybe Roger Waters is uh, just going to give up like him, and he's not.
0: No, Roger waters is not going to give up. he's going to continue to give concerts he's going to continue to be anti fascist anti war and he's going to continue to advocate for freedom and self determination for Palestinians. That's never going to stop Jamal and you know we have to we have to continue to follow this message. but it you know talk about cancel what I would talk about the Israeli apologists, I would say fail they you know are loser. they lost, and they failed yet again. That's right. So moving on to our next story, Jess, which... Very interesting. Th- that's Very actually interesting. surprising
1: at this time that this came out. Actually, this came out earlier in March, but it didn't pick up, pick any traction uh, because the author, the original, uh, f- uh, I guess, uh, the person who discovered this archived material about Israel's collaboration with Nazi with war criminals, recruiting them to become Mossad agents... Wrote about it in March, and not until recently now you have a, a new article that came out in Haaretz, uh, right. basically uh, you know picking up on 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 this story, and uh, which is very surprising because Israel is is viewed as a country, especially when y- you have um, all the uh, coverage about the. Um, hunting Nazis and and so forth. Nazi hunters, right, throughout the world. To find out that actually Israel from early on going way back in the 60s, mid 60s and and, and so forth has recruited Nazi war criminals. One of them was known to be the inventor of those horrible uh, gas carts, you know, oh, wow. that they used to round up right. Jews and choke them to death. But he right. is the mastermind behind this. And then you find out about this, that he was working for the Mossad.
0: Well, Jamal, I guess uh, you, you say you're surprised. I, I'm i not surprised. What I'm surprised about is that uh, they wrote about it. The, what I'm not surprised about is that there was a collaboration between uh, you know, the apartheid state and the Mossad agents in trying to recruit Nazi criminals. I'm not, I'm not surprised about the fact that they did that, tried to do it and, and did it successfully. You know, I'm, I'm more surprised that this article was able to finally get published. Now, why did it take so long to pick up steam? And I have a question for you. I haven't seen this on CBS or CNN yet. No, this is, uh, and I should
1: mention, the professor is Professor Orbach. He's at a uh, professor at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and he said that he had waited a long time for the documents. And then I'm quoting from here. He said, at first, I tried to work through all kinds of people I knew in the organization, but it didn't help. Afterwards, I decided to try the most official way. I got in touch with the spokesperson's unit at the uh, prime minister's office, to which the Mossad is accountable, and I waited for a reply. He 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 writes about like trying to confirm what he received, basically in the mail, right? And 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 here you have these documents, uh, intricate and intriguing, intriguing documents detailing not once, not it wasn't a one-off; it was, it was more than effort. once. It was a plan. It was a project. Basic, basically, uh, recruiting, uh, like I said former Nazi criminals, war criminals, uh, to work with them, to feed them information on, on Syria, to feed them information
0: on uh, uh, on Egypt. Right. So what what is the saying, Jamal? Birds of a feather flock together. So one war criminal trying to recruit another war criminal in the service of, you know, the uh, fascistic aim. So I, I guess... You know, we are we surprised in some ways. I am surprised. I'm surprised okay.
1: because, like I said, there was the trial, the famous or infamous trial of Adolf Eichmann, and then right. to find out that Alois Brunner—that's the name of uh, of the former Nazi turned to be a Mossad agent—was uh, Adolf Eichmann's deputy. Oh. He was Adolf Eichmann's deputy. He fled the war. He, he fled the war, and then he is responsible for multiple genocidal crimes. This is according to Orbach, who wrote, "He was a solver of problems that arose during the deportation, and was in charge of a systematic apparatus of hunting people, of plunder, and of transport to the camps." This is the person who was behind moving people into extermination, basically, and then yet he escaped and then he was recruited by the Mossad.
0: Well, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg, Jamal, in terms of there's so much archival information that is yet to be you know, divulged by the apartheid state. I mean, we know about the new historians and what they've been able to uncover. In terms of the concerted effort to to kind of you know ethnically cleanse and trans transfer indigenous Palestinian populations, the so called plan Dalit and all all the things around that, I suspect that there's a lot more in these archives that will come out over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and then that, that, that's why I said it's a, like you said it's the tip of the iceberg, and uh, what to what extent they have used them, and and why was right. this cover right. up? I mean, that was when even when you didn't have social media and you barely right. had the black and right. white TV, the, right. I, the Eichmann story, everyone knew about the Eichmann story and his trial, uh, watched all over the world in newsreels, etc. But then while they're doing that, they were they're recruiting, sentencing recruiting Eichmann to death, they've recruited his deputy who was working for them.
0: I guess uh, more to come on that story, Jamal. It's a big story, and uh, I'm sure we'll be covering and following the the fallout from that. I'm waiting for CNN, CBS, and the mainstream media to pick that up. Oh, yeah. Keep waiting, Jess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. Go to our website, araptalkradio.com to download the latest shows, and we'll talk to you next week.